It's only entertainment. Live from Newark, New Jersey, also the place of birth of myself, Jimmy Young, the founder of Pro Cannabis Media. This is Green Rush Live, another Friday afternoon business of cannabis talk show that we do every single Friday live on the Pro Cannabis Media Network on all of those social media platforms out there. You know your YouTube, your Facebook, your LinkedIn Live, and of course our Roku channel, PCM TV, and our Apple channel, PCM TV. I'm at the Athletes in Cannabis Conference here in Newark, New Jersey. And earlier, when they had their little breakout session with some of the athletes, I actually met an old friend, if you will, former number one draft pick of the New England Patriots, Dominique Easley is here. And Reggie Grant, who is one of the co-founders of the Athletes in Cannabis Conference, along with uh, Jeff Walker, was also in on this little breakout session, and they all talked about their cannabis stories, coming out of the cannabis closet, getting away from opioids, and also how to get into the business. And that was the opening discussion, the opening breakout room that I uh, took part in earlier today. Now, I'll be back here tomorrow, and I'll do some interviews with some of the vendors here. But as you can tell, I'm actually at a very special booth at the most cannabis group food. And Claudia Post happens to be right with us. Say hi, Claudia. I knew she'd do that. And Claudia, like Josh and like Rick, are both correspondents for We Top News, which, as you know, always follows this Green Rush Live show at about six o'clock. So rather than going back and forth with Rick and Josh, I'm just going to wrap this baby up and I'm going to say, take it away. And I know both you guys will do a great job. Rick Thompson, Josh Kincaid, I'm, I'm not going to sign off. Reporting live from Newark, New Jersey, I'm Jimmy Young. Back to you, Rick and Josh. Welcome to the Green Rush, the business of cannabis. Wasn't that a fun little intro from our founder, Jimmy Young, there in New Jersey? Uh, the Green Rush is, of course, a two-hour weekly live cannabis business talk show produced by Pro Cannabis Media. We broadcast every Friday from 4 to 6. We discuss news issues in the cannabis market. And every week, we conduct a deep dive into specific topics of the industry. Today's subject, athletes in cannabis. I'm Rick Thompson, and I'm joined by Josh Kincaid. Welcome, Josh. Thanks, Rick. Josh, tell people a little bit about yourself as we introduction them. Uh, yeah, start with the um, the my own podcast, the Talking Hedges Cannabis Business Podcast. But uh, been in the cannabis industry for a little over nine years. Um, but actually, as an athlete myself, I was injured. Was supposed to go play college football. Couldn't do it. Recently had surgery just this last August, still going with the same issue, same problem. Uh, so interested to see, you know, from these athletes today, like Anna, um, how she uses cannabinoids, for example, and if it was able to maybe extend her career and uh, maybe I can learn a little bit from her. <laughs> Fantastic. By way of introduction, I'm Rick Thompson. I'm currently the executive director of the Michigan chapter of the National Association for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. 
but I'm also on the board of the Redemption Foundation, Michigan Cannabis Freedom Coalition, and I own the Michigan Cannabis Business Development Group too. Plus I co-host Jazz Cabbage Cafe and several other broadcasts here from where I'm at in Michigan. And we are very happy at the Green Rush to be able to offer for you today as our first guest, Anna Simmons. Anna is the program manager at the Etheridge Foundation, a board member for Athletes for Care. And as Josh mentioned, she is a professional athlete herself. Anna, welcome to the program. Thank you. Uh, I just want to, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, my last name is Simons. It rhymes with diamonds. I always had to tell the announcers that so they could remember because everyone wants to say Simmons, but thanks for I having think, me on. I think Dan French wanted me to look bad, so he didn't tell me that in advance. Thanks, <laughs> Anna. I appreciate your tolerance for my, my badness. It's common. So tell us a little bit about the Etheridge Foundation. Uh, the Etheridge Foundation is a nonprofit founded by the legendary musician Melissa Etheridge. And uh, our mission is to support research into plant-based and nature-based medicines for opioid use disorder. And so um, it's a pretty specific purpose. Um, sadly, the foundation was created because Melissa lost her son to opioids um, almost two years ago. And so um, in response, she had this outpouring of support from fans and, um, she, you know, she wanted to change the system because we know that conventional treatments are not, uh, working for so many people. We need, we need more tools in the toolbox and we need more effective tools that treat the whole person and the root causes. So I'm really excited to be doing that work on behalf of the foundation. Well, we did mention that you're a professional athlete uh, with the USA Rugby Women's Premier League, but talk about Athletes for Care for just a moment, if you would, please. Sure. Yes. Athletes for Care is another nonprofit that I'm involved with. Um, I've been an athlete ambassador for four years or so, five, and uh, and then am now on the board as well. And so what that CARE stands for is Community Advocacy Research and Education. And so this is a community for mostly retired professional athletes to come together and um, advocate, educate the public and support research into, um, again, plant medicines for our wellness and for the good of all. And so um, it really originally started with some athletes who, wanted to spread the message about cannabis and who said, now that I'm retired, I want to go out there and tell the truth about what is helping my wellness. And, and so many people really wanted to share the positive transformations they'd had when they were able to begin using cannabis as part of their therapeutic regimen and, and for, you know, that to be our right to use the medicine of our choice, um, that it's effective, has low side effects, et cetera. And so, um, so we joined our voices together and we're pretty active in activism and all kinds of events. Now I'm going to ask you about your, your use of cannabis and cannabinoids during your mm -hmm. playing time. And I know Josh has some questions also too, but during your, your professional days, was there a time when you turned to cannabis medicines for treatment for the various illnesses that you suffered? 
For sure. And I just want to add one little side note here. The Women's Premier League is still in the process of fully professionalizing. Women's rugby in the U.S. is, you know, is in the fight to side note here. The women's um, get the funding that it needs to be really, you know, we're kind of where women's soccer was 20 years ago. So we're playing at the top level. We're expected to perform. And yet um, we're still we're still working all that. And the league is in the midst of a big investment round right now. If anyone's interested, you should go check that out. Um, But so that said, um, luckily, the league has never uh, subjected us to drug testing. There is, you know, if you want to play for the national team, there's there's some restrictions there. And there's also uh, discrimination if they know you're a cannabis user. But um, for me, I always use cannabis uh, with the more of the recreational mindset since I was a teenager. Um, and of course in sports, it was so strongly discouraged as like, that's a drug you're harming yourself and your body. (laughs) And, uh, but drinking was always fully accepted and embraced. And that, that was always a a bit weird. And it got weirder as I got older. And I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) I've used pot. It's really not, (laughs) you know, um, anything like, those things that you see with alcohol. Um, and so as I got older and I struggled more with the pains that don't just don't go away, you know, you have injuries that, that never go back to how they were before. Um, and recovery and all those things, I began to use cannabis more strategically for things like sleep and pain management and, um, particular injuries. You know, I hurt my back in 2013. And so, um, that's when I really got smarter about it and more, you know, really more therapeutically targeted. Josh, go ahead. If you had some questions. I was just curious about how athletes can deal with it now. I mean, knowing it's sort of like CBD was that gateway. Now everybody knows they've maybe gone to THC or some kind of one-to-one ratio. If if people are, if women, for example, are playing in that rugby premier league and maybe they get invited to the national league or maybe the Olympics, if is rugby in the Olympics? Yes. Rugby sevens is in the Olympics. (laughs) Yeah. How, how are then are you able to continue to use that as medication? If there's such um, a bias on that, you can't, I mean, if they even know you're a, a, a spokesperson, I would imagine there's going to be some backlash. Absolutely. I know a, a player who was in the national team pool um, from a cannabis legal state and was working in the industry, wasn't even an outspoken advocate or anything, but had a job in the cannabis industry. And they told her, well, it's the team or your job. You can't work there and be on this team. Hmm. And so she chose her job, which good for her, but that's really hard to walk away from that because for most players, that's the pinnacle to play for your country, you know, in our sport and in, in rugby. And so, um, so it is hard. And I've, I've offered, I've connected with um, the national team staff before and offered to provide education about CBD in particular because it could be helping our athletes so much with way fewer side effects than some of these other prescription things. And, um, and this was a few years ago, but I got like, no, thanks. We're not interested. And their, their blanket policy is we don't let the athletes use CBD because it could be contaminated with THC. Um, and products aren't reliable. And the thing is because they're drug tested, they, they go by WADA standards. It would, uh, 
it wouldn't be a good thing to have a positive test. It would affect the whole team. You know, it's not good. I understand they can't risk it, but at the same time, it's a really, you know, close-minded and it's, it's really outdated um, way of looking at medicine and wellness. And so, and performance. And so uh, that's, it just underscores why we need to change the rules with WADA and why Athletes for Care has been advocating for that for several years now. Could you explain what WADA is real quick? I know you mentioned it several times. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That's the World Anti-Doping Agency. And then they set the policies for um, various states like USADA is the US Anti-Doping Agency and, and different countries, different leagues. Thank you. Yeah, you still have the MLB and, and National Hockey League that don't really test all that much for cannabis. And I'm, I'm, you see uh, Melissa Etheridge on the cover of Dope Magazine a couple of years ago, no real negative pushback or, or criticism for that. Um, at what point are, are, will the, the major leagues for, um, for football, for example, when will the the national football league stop drug testing and when will it just be normalized like CBD? Is it, I know athletes for care. I'm I'm familiar with them in the Panther group and a lot of athletes within there, they're all waiting patiently. No one's holding their breath though. Uh, So what, I guess, where's the hurdle and and when is the solution? Uh, Well, my understanding of the NFL and from what I've heard from um, players, retired players, is that they are just a very combative employer. Mm -hmm. So for them, it's all about the contract. And if they know there's something that players want, they're going to demand concessions. It doesn't matter about like, is this right or wrong? Is this best for people's health? It's just, it's a business deal. And so, and, and I mean, there's other, I mean, the UFC would be similar other leagues. Um, so, but with the NFL in particular, it's been this sticking point and really that it's going to come down to some kind of, uh, you know, trade-offs, some kind of, it's a business deal for them. Um, they might talk about player welfare and health, but I don't know if anyone really believes that. So I, I'm pretty skeptical of that. That's any kind of motivation for them. That's more of a window dressing for their, their interests. Mm-hmm. Ownership versus the uh, players union is a, is a familiar confrontation that we've seen in, in sports all the time. And unfortunately the health and wellness of the athlete sometimes does become one of those bargaining chips that ownership uses in order to, uh, like you said, gain concessions during contract negotiations from the players Major League Baseball just had a lockout this year. Uh, I mean, these are never, never amicable relationships. And when you throw in something as controversial as cannabis medicines, then it just becomes even more of a, of a confrontation. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anna, I'm curious, um, would you still be playing? Do you think, would it it have extended your career? I'm taking a poll today. Uh Uh-huh. Um, so it did extend my career. I retired last year at the age of 40. So I, I got some really good years out of, I got 20 years uh, career. And I mean, I think, you know, I think that's pretty good. You don't see too many other players. And then, especially when you're running around against 18 year olds and stuff, it's pretty exhausting. So you really, um, but cannabis absolutely extended my career and my level of performance because it gave me uh, a pain management solution that was gentle and anti-inflammatory 
with, without negative side effects with only positive ones that sort of supported my overall wellness. For me, that was like really crucial in being able to get, especially those last few good years of my playing. Niece played, my niece played rugby for Colgate. So I know exactly. <laughs> and that was just a couple of years. You've got 20 years in the industry. Good for you. Good for you. What is your preferred method of, of treatment? Oftentimes topicals are taken, but sometimes people try to cheat the entire body with the, with mm -hmm. ingestibles. What's your method of treatment? Yeah. I mean, I use a variety of things, but for like right after a game or practice, um, I'm usually smoking flour and I'm really particular about, um, the source, you know, knowing it's organically grown and, um, who grew it and, and those kinds of things. Um, but for me, that's, it's reliable, it's effective, it's predictable, and it offers that relief. And I don't need like a tremendous amount. And that's the other good thing about, you know, about smoking is you get, you can feel, you know, quickly where you, when you're, when you reach the level that you need, um, for, for muscle relaxation, pain relief, all those things. Um, but that said, I do also use topicals. I will use ingestibles like edible type products, um, tinctures. Um, I think that, you know, topicals can be really great for sort of some localized relief, but if you really want that like systemic anti-inflammatory effect, you have to take something in, you know, that'll go throughout your body and your bloodstream. So, um, really I kind of it just depends on my needs. It's a little of everything. To have, beautiful <laughs> to have a variety of products available to satisfy whatever you need, right? Absolutely. In what state do you normally acquire your cannabis? Well, I lived in Oregon for many years and that's where I um, played rugby. Um, but then I moved last year, I moved to Hawaii. So I am uh, now we only have medical cannabis here. So I am a medical card holder here in the state. Do you find it uh, better? I know you talked about organic cultivation and being able to trust the source. Do you find that the regulated marketplace satisfies your needs or, or do you go to a more personalized relationship with a specific grower that you're familiar with? Um, in Oregon, there is a very, it's a wonderful, sophisticated market because it's, there's been a medical cannabis market since the mid nineties. And so um, it's a mature industry or segment, um, you know, of wellness and people have reputations it's developed products are very good, uh, very high quality, you know, um, versus I think, uh, out here, I think a personalized approach is maybe a little better because there are so many restrictions. The laws here aren't very good. There's a limited number of suppliers and, um, you know, they, you are only allowed to grow indoors which is a crazy here because the climate is wonderful. The sun is powerful and uh, electricity is very expensive. So then you're growing, you know, and you need so much HVAC for the humidity. So, I mean, it out here, it's, it's a different beast, but, um, <laughs> but in Oregon, I still have, you know, I visit, I still have my favorite um, farms and growers over there. You know, you'd imagine that being closer to the equatorial region, uh, Hawaii's light spectrum would be just so advantageous to cultivating cannabis. I mean, almost everything else grows wonderfully in Hawaii. So, well, it does. And I think there is honestly, there's a lot of off-grid cultivation here, but, but their regulatory system is very, you know, they use that law enforcement argument where 
well, if we let people grow it outside, then what's going to happen? They'll just be growing it outside. Well, they're already doing that and they've been doing that for decades. And, you know, I mean, there's a reason there's, there's a classic varieties that come from here, but you know, it's, it's a work in progress. I was expecting easy access in Maui for a wedding about five or six years ago. And I went up to some random people and asked them if they had some, um, and they asked me if I was, you know, the feds or cops or whatever, you know, like, nope, nope. Just looking for Maui Wowie or whatever's out here. So it's very kind of conservative. Um, yeah, not, not, uh, not like Seattle where you just assume everybody smokes. Um, question for you, Anna, though, when you were in the locker room, did you ever advocate or hear other people talk about alternative pain management and was cannabis sort of like verbally passed around or how, how did other people manage their pain? Yeah, well, our team, uh, my team, Orsu, the, the Oregon team, we're very cannabis friendly. You know, coming out of Portland, Oregon, we have multiple people on the team who work in the industry, who are very knowledgeable, and we have a lot of um, connoisseurs as well, <laughs> um, people who enjoy cannabis and people who definitely use cannabis therapeutically. And so, um, so we're kind of on the edge of things that way. And then maybe the California teams are behind us, but um, on our team, it's a lot of the team leadership, the senior players are, are part of that cohort. So, uh, so we really set the tone. There isn't, you know, a new coach comes in and we're like, Hey, this is the way it is. So don't try to change that. <laughs> and that's been really positive for us. You know, um, part of the culture of our team is that we are educated on plant medicine and on cannabis. Um, but for other teams, they're not necessarily, and there are, and I think our team has a reputation for it and other teams will seek us out. We know who the, the people are on the other teams who like cannabis and use it and they come hang out with us after the game. <laughs> and so we've, you know, after the national championships um, in 2016, I remember the kind of the, one of the MVP type players from the team who won the national championship that year sought us out for the, the post-game pain relief and, but was like, you know, I got to keep this quiet i just love the thought that you that you'd sit the coach down you know lay a dab rig on the table and say look here's how we're gonna give this is how uh, it's gonna be sir it's, yeah it's not quite to that level but you know it is we're we're pretty um you know this our league was really grown it was created it was player created and um you know back and 2010, I think 20, 2009. And so, I mean, we really are the drivers of the organizations. I think that's really a huge advantage, right? Being a player created league, as opposed to being a, a billionaire created league where, where they want to micromanage and control every single thing. And you have rules that are coming from the bottom up as opposed from the top down, right? It is a double-edged sword. I mean, each team has their own culture and ours just, we are a very player-led team. It's just, uh, it's the double-edged sword of not having a lot of resources. So on the plus side, you get to set the tone and make some of these decisions, you as the team. But then on the other side of things, not having the money, you know, having to constantly fundraise or a nonprofit organization, it's just a lot on top of playing and performing. I'd love to see a team come out with, uh, you know, tie dyed uniforms just running around. That would I would love that too. Uh, actually, our team, I think, was the we were definitely the first in the league. Um, we had a set of a couple of sets of jerseys that are sponsored by 
Um, we have a cannabis farm that sponsored a summer set of jerseys and uh, a topical company that um, did another set. So we, we're actually wearing those logos on the field. No. So Hawaii market now, is it kind of uniform across all islands? Cause how I'm curious, we have one of the larger, I'm in Washington state. We have one of the mm. larger ferry systems in the world. You can't like in Alaska, there's issues with all the Island chains and air, you know, with the FAA. So there's a lot of, right. of, of regulatory issues where you're at. How do people get their cannabis and, and what's the scene look like? Uh, so the scene is pretty restricted. They limit the number of licenses for growers and dispensaries quite a bit. So some islands, I mean, there's like one or two dispensaries on the whole island, um, generally speaking for most of the islands. And then as far as travel, that's a tricky one. I think I read something about this and I promptly forgot it, but it was like, you know, you're, you're within the state, so it should be legal for you to fly, but then that's still federal airspace. It's federal facilities when you go in the airport. So that's not legal. And I think the, I think the upshot was like, it should be legal because it's within the state, but it's not technically legal. So it's discouraged. I think people, you know, people make their own personal choices about that kind of thing. So really it, it comes up to the individual entrepreneur's tolerance, right. Or their, their willingness to support our industry. Right. Um, I mean, as far as, Oh man, on the commercial level, I don't, I think maybe you have to have your grow facility on an Island and sell it all there or, um, or maybe you would have to take it by boat, but that seems wild because the channels, the islands are not that far apart, but the, the water and the channels between them is very, is like notoriously rough. So I think that's also uh, covered by federal because we have water here, like the oh, Puget Sound, we were going right. to do cannabis cruises. And then uh, that's also covered by the U.S. Coast Guard. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, so I actually haven't delved that far, but I think unless they have some kind of, they worked something out with the feds commercially, which I wouldn't imagine they did because we know the federal government doesn't care about the cannabis industry. Um, uh, but yeah, so it's a very interesting place to be um, a consumer and a patient and in the industry. You've participated in international sports as well. What's your experience been with athletes from other nations and their cannabis exposure? Oh, it varies a lot. Um, I mean, it's, you know, the stigma, the stigma against cannabis is very, it's even stronger in some countries where you would think maybe they would know better. But for example, like Australia, um, cannabis is very stigmatized. It's treated like the same as meth legally, and it's regarded similarly. And it's like run by gangs and stuff. It's just uh, and, but they have medical cannabis and it's slowly gaining a bit more traction and acceptance, but there is this, like this widespread social stigma that this is a drug and this is, uh, we don't, we don't talk about it. That's dangerous kind of thing. <laughs> um, there's a lot of curiosity around it and people do use it, but it's harder. It's harder to access there. Um, the quality is not as high <laughs> from my experience. And, uh, and then, you know, even same, similar in New Zealand, although I would say more people are consuming there and the, the quality is probably higher. Um, but it has a, a, the same kind of stigma that it's had in the US, but even if you go back, you know, 
some decades. It's they're they're a little behind on that, and it's not people's fault. It's just the the result of all that propaganda that has been really pushed for decades. Yeah, the war on drugs was an international phenomenon, not just an American thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. So, what's your hope for the future of athletics and the integration of cannabis medicines? If you had your ideal scenario five, ten years down the road, what would that look like? Ah, oh, wow! This is my hopes and dreams. Uh, I want, I want medicine to become uh, more integrative, meaning like holistic, looking at the whole person. It's not just chemical inputs and outputs. It's looking at the everything that's tied together with your physiological functioning. You can't separate your mental and emotional processes. And some people would argue, you know, your spiritual um, aspects. I mean, these things are all inseparable and yet our medicine um, treats them as separate things. And I think a lot of athletes are struggling with that. And we look at say mental health as this separate domain. Oh, I'm struggling with that. Well, that affects your physiological health and vice versa. And so if we open the gates, we need to legalize cannabis. We need to really invest in the research so that we're understanding um, the potential to help with the neuroprotection. You know, head injuries are a huge issue for so many sports um, and brain health. So we're understanding how to protect and support our brains um, and support our, our endocannabinoid system. So we're you know, we're balanced, we're healthy, we're resilient. Um, and I think so that underlying, uh, stress support systems that, that supports all those domains, the mental, the physical, the emotional, the spiritual. And we're just about out of time on this particular segment, but we'd like to invite you to stay for the next half an hour. Darren McCarty, who's a four-time national hockey league champion will be on as well too. And we're a little overdue for our break. Josh, did you have any final questions for Anna before we go to break? I didn't. I thought it was a great segment. Hope she sticks around. Fantastic. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for joining us here at Green Rush Live. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.